0: the QB list fantasy football podcast week three what we saw it's been another exciting week for fantasy football but I, I think our big takeaways so far is we learned the max range of an NFL kicker in uh, this week we saw Matt Prater attempt a 68 yard field goal attempt which was short and the Jaguars returned at 109 yards for a touchdown big swing in that game until well the Jaguars did Jaguars things in the second half uh, but then later in the day we saw Justin Tucker a 66 yard field goal hit the crossbar, and bounced in. It was good. The Ravens won on a walk-off against the Lions. I feel bad for Lions fans. It was a very Lions loss. But I think we've established the max range for a kicker. Justin Tucker from 66 in a dome. We shouldn't try him any farther out than that, unless maybe we're in Denver at high altitude or something. So uh, there were some other takeaways. It wasn't all about kickers this week, but uh, definitely a couple of the bigger moments of the week. So uh, I'm joined by Mike Miklias to go over the rest of the fantasy implications. Um, Mike, how are you doing? Hope you held up okay after that Bears game.
1: Oh, man, it's, it's been a brutal night. Yeah, that was a rough one. But uh, otherwise, good weekend and glad to be here talking another week of football.
0: Yeah. We'll um, just be the two of us today. We're going to go through a couple of the games that we dove deep into. Um, we obviously watched our home teams and some of the other, uh, you know, marquee four o'clock games. We'll go through some noteworthy snap counts. Uh, we'll get a lot to you, but make sure you check out the what we saw column on QBList.com. Um, it's got a writer assigned to every single game. And they will go deep into all the fantasy implications. So anything we don't touch here, make sure you check out the column. We'll be on Reddit answering questions. Uh, make sure you're around for that. Um, but we'll catch you up on the you know most of what happened this weekend, the best we can. Um, we're going to start out with injuries. It actually wasn't too bad of a weekend for injuries compared to last weekend. Um, but A.J. Brown was a big one. He left early in the first quarter with a hamstring injury. Uh, Elijah Moore for the Jets left in the third quarter with a concussion K.J. Hamler, the young receiver for the Broncos, left with a knee injury and will get an MRI on Monday. Uh, A sad one here. I hope he's okay. Andy Reid was hospitalized with an illness following the game. They say he's okay and they're being cautious, but um, we hope Andy Reid's back. He's one of the most fun head coaches in the league for sure. Uh, Sterling Shepard for the Giants left in the second quarter with a hamstring injury. Uh, Quinton Nelson the excellent offensive guard for the Colts suffered a high ankle sprain and left the game and then finally Juju Smith-Schuster left the game midway through with a rib injury um, piled on with the Deontay Johnson injury uh, leading up to the game Uh, Steelers were really kind of hamstrung at the receiver position here so uh, Mike all those injuries uh, maybe not long-term injuries here but which are the biggest takeaways for you and going to impact teams going forward?
1: Uh, so the two I would focus on, A.J. Brown would be pretty rough. Um, if he's missing time, I mean, you, we all liked that offense this year because you had the upgrade If it's not just A.J. Brown. Now it's him and Julio both kind of taking some of the, the defense's attention along with Henry, obviously, in the backfield. So if he's out, I feel like that's a that's a big hit for that offense. Um, and then I'm curious to follow the Andy Reid thing. The Chiefs are already struggling a little bit, and we know he's a, he's a very, really good offensive-minded coach. And if he's away from the team for a few weeks, I mean, who who knows what that's going to mean? Um, if we're going to ch- see any change or if the offense is going to deflate a little bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. The A.J. Brown's a big one. We'll get into that a little later, but... Uh, the Titans do not have a lot of weapons behind AJ Brown and Julio and Derrick Henry, of course. So um, that'll be worth keeping an eye on. I would also mention Sterling Shepard; he was looking really good, and this is just kind of another reminder of his inability to stay healthy, which is a bummer. Um, we hate to see these players get hurt over and over again. So even when he is back, I think we're all going to have this in our minds going forward that he's a he's always a risk to get hurt in game. Um, and then Juju Smith-Schuster, um, you know, I think he's going to be okay. It was a rib injury. We'll see. We don't have a lot of news on him yet but um that Steelers offense was very limited with these receivers hurt so we'll get to more of that later but overall we escaped hopefully from uh, the weekend without any major injuries so um keep an eye on that we'll up to date you on on the what we saw articles but um yeah I think we escaped the major ones this week so um let's get into our winners and losers um up, the, uh, up top on the show um Mike start out with your winner of the week and just kind of your thoughts going forward on this player
1: Yeah. So my winner of the week was uh, Mike Williams and he's someone like when he came into the league, we all had those super high hopes for him. And he's to this point felt like a disappointment because he's popped at times, but overall it's just kind of been like, all right, he's clearly not the guy we thought he was. And Keenan Allen has just held him off and been, been the big show there. Um, But now we've seen three weeks in a row, three big performances, three weeks where he scored three weeks where he almost put up double digit targets each week. This week he was nine. Um, three weeks right now he's averaging 100 plus yards a week and I think this is good enough to say with a great quarterback like Justin Herbert that we can expect this to continue and those who drafted Williams are in really good shape for the season
0: yeah it's been pretty stunning just to see how consistently good he's been through three weeks um, I think another big takeaway is really outside of Mike Williams Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen nobody has stepped up and kind of taken a, a you know, a secondary role on this team. Uh, you know, the rookie Josh Palmer hasn't really done a whole lot. Uh, Jalen Guyton isn't really developing much so far. Uh, it's really a three headed monster here in the passing game. And, you know, like you said, with Justin Herbert, looking like one of the best players in the league uh, he all of a sudden, Mike Williams, like a must start every week. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're pretty much both on board here, right? Like this is hundred percent legitimate for Mike Williams.
1: Yeah. Here, here's an interesting question. If you were drafting today for the start of the season, and you could draft Mike Williams. What rounds do you think he goes in?
0: Oh man, he is, uh, he's skyrocketed up, right? I mean, he's got to be, I mean, just off the top of my head, he's probably going like fifth round, right?
1: I was thinking, I was thinking fourth and maybe somebody who likes him might sneak in him into the late third.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd have to see the list of receivers for sure, but um, I mean, you're attached to one of the best young quarterbacks in the league and he's a big play threat and he's scoring touchdowns. So yeah, you could probably even get him as high as the fourth. I Yeah, it would be wild to redraft right now. So Williams would shoot up for sure. Um, I don't think it's really uh, lowering Keenan Allen's, you know, outlook for the rest of the year, right? Like this doesn't knock him down in your eyes at all.
1: No, I think there's plenty to go around here. I mean, I, I I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I'd have to imagine they're averaging 300 plus yards a game in that offense. And as you said, there's not many weapons to go around. There's Eckler who's more of a volume play and there's Williams and Allen who are going to do more damage deeper. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd happily start both. Yeah. Keenan
0: Allen had 12 targets, uh, eight catches, 50 yards and a touchdown. So a little disappointing from the yardage perspective, but you'll take 12 targets every week. So yeah, really exciting. Um, and I kind of feel like Los Angeles still hasn't really opened it up as much as they can. I, I think we've got some better weeks ahead here. So I'm really excited to see how they're going to look. Um, my winner for the week is Najee Harris for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I mean, overall, I'll get to it later. This offense did not look good. I have major concerns with Ben Roethlisberger. The their receivers were injured. Um, but the usage for Najee Harris was insane. 19 targets, 14 receptions, 102 yards uh, through the air. He had 14 carries for 40 on the ground. He looked really good. I mean, he had some drops, but when you get 19 targets for a running back, I I think that's going to happen. But uh, I I think the big takeaway for me is just he's always on the field and they really need him Uh, with these receiver injuries with Roethlisberger limited. He is going to be featured heavily. He's eventually going to start finding the end zone. And I mean, he's just locked into the top 10 running backs easily the rest of the season. And if Roethlisberger can kind of get Uh, Things going a little bit more through the air. It's only going to help him. So Harris, if you drafted him, uh, you're locked into an RB1 for the rest of the season. And I I just think uh, they're just going to lean on him all year long and give him as many touches as he can handle. So uh, does anything worry you here with Harris as far as just this offense and the rest of the situation around him?
1: Yeah, I think if – well, as we said, the injuries are kind of piling up here. Juju uh, left the game. Deontay Johnson was already hurt. Um, Chase Claypool at one point left but came back, so I don't think that was too serious. But the more weapons they lose, the more opposing teams are going to focus on Harris. And it's not like Harris was lighting it up on the ground. Uh, He was 14 of 40. Um, And I feel like this is the definition of, like, why people who hate PBR hate PBR. Because anybody who played Harris this week is like, I swear, 14 points just from receptions. Like, come on.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, he did avoid 11 tackles uh, per PFF. And I mean, he's just dominating the snaps. He saw 79 snaps. Benny Snell saw four. Um, Harris ran 57 routes. So the usage is just insane with Harris. And I, I suppose there are some worries if he can hold up all year, but... Um, they just, they don't seem to like any of the running backs behind them. So um, Najee Harris, if you've got him, you should be feeling pretty good going forward. And I, I do think, uh, you know, we're not going to see that 19 target volume, but uh, there are going to be some weeks with some more touchdowns. So I really like what I've seen out of Harris. Um, let's go to our losers. Uh, Mike, you got a few for your losers. So go ahead here first.
1: Yeah. I kind of chose a blanket category and I, I don't think anybody would fight me on this one. I said uh, rookie QBs, um, And I really focused on the big four that are getting a lot of playing time right now. So in no particular order, Justin Fields who I'll go into more later with the bears game uh, sacked nine times, which is, which was just awful to watch. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, two picks, two fumbles, three sacks, Mac Jones, three picks, Zach Wilson, two picks, five sacks. Uh, Yeah, it was, it was a rough day to be rooting for rookie QB. So we can only hope they're going to improve. They're going to grow and things will get better in the future.
0: Yeah. And like you said, we'll get more to Fields later when we talk about that Bears game. Um, Lawrence, like one of his picks, I believe it was the pick six, was on a flea flicker where there was pressure and he was just forcing it. I feel like Lawrence, I think he's going to get there eventually if this coaching staff can get out of the way. Um, Mac Jones, I I think he's redeemable. He's going to be a check down option. Um, It may not be exciting for fantasy, but I don't think I'm not too panicked on the three picks. Um, I think Zach Wilson and just the whole Jets situation, though, is like the biggest red flag for me. Um, they're just getting blown out of the water right now. And I, I think we all thought with kind of a fresh coaching staff, some fresh rookies, um, just some excitement that things were going to turn around a little more than this. And Wilson's really a, a concern for me right now with this this whole Jets team.
1: Yeah, I think uh, to that point, I, he, if I had a single out one I was most worried about, um, it, it, it feels like typical Jets right now. Because you have Denzel Mims isn't playing, and they're not saying much, and it's like, all right, he was a very high draft pick and a weapon we were all excited about, and now he's just not playing week to week, and we don't know anything. Yep. And Wilson, I know there were some scouts, Matt Waldman, who I'm a big fan of, was was very low on him, said, you know, he was fool's gold, people looking for the next Mahomes. And, yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd single out. I'm, I'm worried about Phil- Wilson everybody else I'm willing to give some time to.
0: Yeah. And I think we're probably worried about Fields, um, but maybe because of his coaching staff or surroundings. So we'll get into that a little more later. But yeah, nine yeah. sacks, that's even bad for Andy Dalton last year. So uh, we, we talked pre show. Uh, I can definitely feel your pain here on the uh, all the sacks in Chicago. So. All right. Um, I'll get to my loser. It's gonna be Damian Harris, New England Patriots running back. And I'll, I'll start by saying I, I this was a little bit of I think an anomaly here. Um, the Patriots are gonna be in most games and put up a fight, and I don't think they're always gonna be trailing. But um, he got Damian Harris got outsnapped by Brandon Bolden, who's a special teamer at this point. Um, got outsnapped 33 to 22. Damian Harris only had six carries for 14 yards. He's not a loser in the sense that I think he's just you know, he's the backup now or he's lost this job. It's not so much that it's just a reminder of how game script dependent Harris can be. Um, He's not going to contribute a whole lot in the passing game. And he's just one of those, you know, kind of grinded out running backs who um, there aren't a lot left in the league. And I I do think he's talented enough to be fantasy relevant, but it's just more of this Patriots backfield being unpredictable and not really being able to trust them on a week to week basis. So he's still an RP two. This isn't like go out and panic time necessarily, but it's just a, a very stark reminder here of this Patriots backfield, what can happen going forward.
1: Yeah. And as we know, Bill Belichick doesn't care about our fantasy teams. And the moment we think we know what Bill Belichick's going to do, he's guaranteed to do something else. Um, we, we know how he loves to use his running backs. It's okay. As soon as you know, I'm going to use Damian Harris. The one thing you can guarantee is I will not use Damian Harris because that's what you're planning for. And like, it's smart. That's why he's so successful because the moment you're, you know, it's going to be, you know, pick your favorite Patriot, Gronk, Edelman, Welker, whoever, he just goes somewhere else. And all of a sudden, some random guy who you've never heard of toasts you for like eight catches in a hundred yards. And there you go.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, this is a backfield to watch. Um, I don't know if there are any updates yet. I'm not seeing any, but James White was carted off with a hip injury that seemed pretty serious. Um, I would imagine that J.J. Taylor takes over for him in the passing game. So that's not necessarily going to help Damian Harris. But um, he's still got a huge opportunity here. I do think there are going to be better days. New Orleans has an awfully good uh, front. They're really good at stopping the run. So this was a lot of game plan, I'm sure, letting Mac Jones throw uh, 51 times. But, again, it's just game script. And if you get a bad game script, you could uh, get a big dud from Damian Harris. So um, he gets my loser this week just because I really thought – Maybe they were starting to trust him more. Um, They were starting to feature the offense around him more, and I was hoping he'd be less game script dependent. So um, that is uh, both of our winners and losers for the week. Uh, Before we get into the games, I wanted to go into some noteworthy snap counts that I came across. Uh, Just some things I wanted to touch on up front Um, I always think these are some of the best rapid reactions we can get from the uh, week we just got through. So um, (laughs) let's start with Las Vegas. Speaking of coaches, you never really know what they're going to do. That would be John Gruden. Um, Peyton Barber leads the way with 47 snaps to Kenyon Drake's 37 snaps with Josh Jacobs out for the game. Peyton Barber had 23 carries for, I believe, 111 rushing yards and a touchdown. He somehow had five targets, three receptions, and 31 yards. Um, this is all compared to Kenyon Drake, eight carries for 24, three receptions for 33. So Peyton Barber dominated this game. Um, I will say I saw a good bit of this game, and I was shocked to see that he had 111 yards rushing. Um, I don't think this was like a wow-you performance out of Barber, but if hey, if he's going to get that volume and those snaps – um, I suppose he's fantasy relevant. We have to see how long J- Josh Jacobs is going to be out here. But um, what do you think of this situation, Mike? Is it just more that he's like the direct fill-in for Jacobs, so they just pencil him into that role? Or uh, I mean, I don't. There's nothing really here with Peyton Barber, right?
1: Yeah, we we've played this game with the Bucks back in the past, and it was it was Peyton Barber or Ronald Jones, and everybody in the back of their minds was just really thinking like, "Geez, I don't like either option." Uh-huh. But if one of them is going to get all the carries, I guess I'm kind of interested in that guy. And my level of confidence in picking either of these guys is about zero. I feel like as soon as I get confident in one, the other one's going to become the guy. And I feel like people are going to see fool's gold with Drake. As soon as Drake has that one game where it's like 25 carries, eight catches or six catches or whatever, they're going to be like, all right, this is Drake's backfield. We can trust him. And then Barber's going to have another one of these, like, okay, nobody really likes it, but it's a lot of stats games. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, William, again, we got to see how long Josh Jacobs is out. But um, I was just kind of shocked that Gruden just jumped right over Drake as the feature back and got Barber in there. So I think he's going to be hotly debated on waiver wire shows this week. Um, Check ours out on Monday night or Tuesday morning. They'll talk more about Peyton Barber as an ad. But. I didn't see anything that made me think that he's all of a sudden, uh, you know, got the fountain of youth here. So I think we can keep Peyton Barber probably out of our starting radar. But um, it was definitely a noteworthy usage because I I know a lot of people like Drake this week. Um, I thought he was going to get a lot of work as well, and it it didn't happen. So I'm not sure when you can trust Drake now, and uh, I'm not excited in Barber either. So I think Las Vegas, we're just looking at the pass catchers
1: here for the most part. Yeah, Um, I, I think I think for Drake that's a death blow. If you were a fan of his, the fact that Barber got more snaps, more carries, more everything is just that's got to be a complete death blow for his chances.
0: Yeah, I thought for sure Barber would just be that goal line back and maybe vulture some carries, but I certainly did not see him steal stealing the work. So, um, yeah, bad news for Drake. Um, okay, let's get to another perplexing offense here. The Atlanta Falcons they somehow won this game against the New York Giants. Um, They looked bad every time I saw them, so I was shocked to see them lining up to kick a game-winning field goal. Um, But the Falcons, with Russell Gage Hurt, um, they only played three receivers in this game. Calvin Ridley led the way, obviously, 59 snaps. Olamide Zaccheaus had 43, and then Tajay Sharp only had 15. Um, They basically used – I mean, Pitts played 52 snaps. Um, They, you know, they just – they have no receiving depth outside of Ridley and Gage So I I don't know. I think it's a good sign for Pitts. He ran 34 routes, which was second only to Ridley. He only saw three targets. They gave him a couple red zone uh, jump balls in the end zone. They couldn't come down with. Um, I mean, Matt Ryan looked pretty bad overall. But it's really it's all going to the running backs. Mike Davis led the way with 37 snaps. He saw four targets and 12 carries. And then Cordarell Patterson, 26 snaps, seven targets, seven carries. This offense is kind of a mess here. Um, I don't think. I think you can chase these running backs just because running back is so tough in fantasy that they're getting targets and we like that. So they have some value, but, um, even Calvin Ridley, I think is we need to lower him in our rankings with Matt Ryan, looking the way he does. We're still waiting for Pitts. I would buy low on pits, but I'm concerned just with this passing game in general. So, um, you got any takeaways either from this game or just from these snap counts, um, for this Falcons offense.
1: Yeah. I think the main thing is I, I agree with you. I think you can chase these running backs if you're short. Um, you just have like you go into it realizing, OK, Patterson might blank me next week, but he's he's mm-hmm. been seeing work and he's getting chances. And that's that's all you could ask for a running back. If you're desperate and you're in a PPR league, Patterson's exactly the kind of guy you're hoping for to stream for a week or two.
0: Yeah. And Mike Davis, I mean, it hasn't been pretty, but he's still leading the way in snaps. He's getting you about 10 PPR points a game like he's he, he'll you'll pencil in as your flex, hopefully not more than that. Um, you know, he'll get some touchdowns occasionally have better weeks. I just, I think without gauge, um, there's no depth at receiver hits should take off. Eventually. I'm just really worried about this offense. doesn't look very creative and Matt Ryan does not look good. So I, I think we have to downgrade all these Falcons across the board. They're, they're just, I, there's not much ceiling there right now. So, um, yeah, let's move on. Uh, just a quick hitter out of new England, but I did think it was worth noting Hunter Henry outsnapped snap Johnny Smith, 52 to 30. He ran 39 routes to Smith's 15. Um, they both saw six targets though. But I, I think if you're out there desperate at tight end, if Henry's out there, I'm sure they were trailing, that may have led to some of it. But um, I think Henry could be someone worth watching down the down the line. I'm not sure what his roster ship percentage is at, but do you have any interest in either of these tight ends?
1: Um, not too much. I think it's worth mentioning Johnu had they had the same targets. John who only caught one of them. And I didn't get to see this game, but I heard from somebody who was watching it that he had a a bad drop at one point. Um, so although they got the same targets, I think Henry was definitely the more reliable guy and that, that could be bad for Johnny moving forward.
0: Yeah. Johnny had kind of an ugly drop that he tipped up in there and I, believe they returned for a touchdown or they at least intercepted it and ran it back a long way. So yeah, keep an eye on that. I mean, again, this was a pass happy game script for them. It's not always going to be like that, but Henry would be the pass happy game script, you know, tight end. So I think he slots in well for that. Um, Another quick one, Cardinals wide receiver snaps. Um, Obviously DeAndre Hopkins led the way, even though he was limited with 61. AJ Green, again, second with 52 on the team. Christian Kirk, third with 39. And then Rondale Moore, fourth with 22. So uh, I just think the big takeaway here is that Rondale Moore has not increased his usage despite his um, his big weeks, week one and two, and he had a down week this week. He did just miss a touchdown on a run, but um, Kirk's st- or, or Kirk still the three, Moore's the four, um, and A.J. Green had a big week, so he's probably not going away as the second receiver here. So um, do you think all these receivers have some value, though, just because of the nature of this offense?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's Hopkins, and then it's going to be, you know, kind of the hot hand. I think Kingsbury fa- like thinks of himself as a clever coach, and I think he's <laughs> going to try to bounce around between guys and be like, "See, I'm I'm playing the matchup. AJ Green's getting all the looks today, or Christian Kirk is." At re- reality, it's just I. It's Hopkins, and then okay, take your chances.
0: Yeah, and I think um, Rondell Moore kind of burned us all, and we could kind of see it coming. I said it on the sit start episode. I was like. This is not the type of player I usually go for. He's not getting many snaps, but he's just been so good. I'm not going to bench him. And you could kind of feel this game coming. I mean, two targets, uh, one yard, one carry for three yards. Like I said, he almost had a touchdown on that carry. They're still going to him. He's still going to be involved, but it's going to be pretty boom bust out of Rondale Moore until we see a snap share uh, increase. So that was a little bit of a downer, but I mean, there definitely, there is, value in this receiving core so I would I would roster all these players it's just it comes down to whether you can start them or not so yep um okay Ravens backfield um this was a game I think the Ravens would probably say they let slip away from them it just kind of seemed like one of those games they got out of their game plan and uh just kind of were off kilter the whole game um Tyson Williams led the way with 29 snaps Latavius Murray had nine and uh uh Devontae Freeman had nine, so he was clearly leading the way here. Actually, I think think, uh, Latavius Murray had 19, excuse me. But um, Tyson Williams was definitely the lead back here. Um, That seems to be, you know, we can count on that going forward. Um, Do you have any interest in these running backs, or is this offense just kind of looking too out of whack right now to trust any of them?
1: Uh, these running backs are going to be minimal for me. Um, I mean, we saw even when they had their full cast of, of healthy running backs, Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram. Um, and wow, I'm I'm blanking on the biggest name. You're going to have to. Dobbins. Nah, J.K. Dobbins. Ah, J.K. Dobbins. Jeez, that's one I shouldn't forget. Uh, we, we miss him. <laughs> but even when they had. Clearly, <laughs> I miss him so much, I've just forgotten him. Uh, yeah, but even when they had all three of them, it was, you know, play the hot hand, play kind of whoever's looking good that day. And no offense to our current stable of Ravens backfield guys, but they're they're not the same as those three. And I, I don't think anyone's gonna run away with it. I think I imagine we'll see some big days, but I don't I don't love this offense and I don't think it's great for a running back right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, Tyson's running a ton of routes, um, but you know how it goes with Lamar. He's not going to dump it down to the running backs very often. So that's a problem. Um, I was pretty surprised that they only got 22 carries as a team against the Lions defense. Uh, (laughs) Seven of them came from Lamar, um, seven to Latavius, five to Tyson, and three to Devontae. So um, that's a problem. I would have expected more like 44 as opposed to 22 out of this backfield against this matchup. So um, they've got to fix the running game. And until that happens, it's going to be hard to trust any of them. Cause this was a great matchup. So I don't know. I, I, still think Tyson is the best, but, um, yeah, seven carries isn't enough to start him. That's for sure. So, um, yeah, would you, agree. yeah, he, would you roster him and cut the rest? Would you roster any of them? I mean, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Tyson would be my guy. Not, not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't love it. I think everyone kind of got a little carried away. Cause he's an unknown name and they're like, oh, he's the only one. We know Latavius is awful. And we know Freeman's awful. So it's got to be Tyson. Yeah. And I, I don't think that logic ever tends to play out as well as people hope, where, where they say, like, oh, there's nobody. It's got to be this one guy that I've decided I like.
0: Right. Now, I will say um, Marquise Brown, he dropped multiple big plays, um, a long touchdown. He, he had, I think, maybe three drops. There were big ones, bad drops. And the Ravens could have easily been up probably two more touchdowns and maybe then they get to lean on the run game and we're having a different conversation here. So um, I, I definitely think that Williams looks the most promising than Murray. Um, I wouldn't touch Freeman or uh, Le'Veon Bell if anyone's rostering him. So I think you can easily <laughs> cut it down to those two. Um, but yeah, the Ravens are a little bit of a mess right now. It, it's kind of shocking they're two and one, honestly, with the way they've played. So, um, okay. Okay. Let's go to the other side of the ball here for the Lions. Um, I just thought it was worth noting. I know the receivers are terrible, but uh, Khalif Raymond led the Lions wide receivers in snaps with 47 and with targets with 10. And he had six catches for 68 yards and no other receiver for the Lions had more than uh, one target, I believe. So Khalif Raymond took over this receiving core. Uh, I think we're a ways away from adding him in fantasy leagues, but it is worth noting in case this happens for another week because, I mean, just from, you know, somebody's got to catch the ball there other than the tight ends and the running backs. So um, any interest in Raymond or any wide receivers in this Lions pass catching group?
1: No, no, I don't think so. Um, As you said, the game script was kind of funky in this one, even though the Ravens, I mean, we all know the Ravens are the better team here. The Lions actually won time of possession, 32 to 27 and a half. Um, And like, as you said, if the Ravens had better stayed in their game script, if Marquise Brown remembered how to catch a ball. They probably had two more touchdowns. They're probably running a lot more. And those, you know, the Lions never pack like put up the little bit of stats they did put up because, you know, they they required all that time to do just the little bit they did.
0: Yeah, and I think it's probably just more noteworthy for like Oman Ra St. Brown or Quintet Cephas or whoever um, that they weren't even the the top receiver on this team. So I think you can probably free up a roster spot if you had any of them on the roster. Um, quick one for the Colts. I mean, this is mainly game script here, but Naeem Hines, 34 snaps, Jonathan Taylor, 29. Um, it's just it's rough when you have a quarterback that's as banged up as Carson Wentz. Um, but I mean, I think it was noteworthy for Hines that, um, he, he led the way there. There were some weeks where it looked like Jonathan Taylor was just going to dominate this backfield. So it's pretty much down to these two running backs. I would expect better days for Taylor. Um, is Heinz worth, you know, still starting when you can in the flex though, or, um, do you think most weeks they're going to go back to Taylor?
1: Yeah, I'll play Heinz if I need to. Um, any any of those PPR guys like him, Tariq Cohen, when he's healthy, um, they, they always interest me. Cause you know, they offer that upside, but as you said, I think it's just game script. And I think the big takeaway is like, those who think Taylor is just going to steal the workload completely and run away with it and take pass catching. It, it's not going to happen. There's yeah. always going to be those random days where Hines gets the passes because he's a really good pass catcher. Um, it's not, it's not an indictment of Taylor Taylor's an excellent runner. And I mean, obviously he's going to be the lead back here and as long as he's healthy, yeah. but yeah, Hines will always be there, and Hines will always be an amazing pass catcher and a great weapon. So,
0: yep, they did not have Marlon Mack active, so it's down to the two of them. Hines six targets, five catches, fifty four yards, um, six carries, twenty five yards, and a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor looked good early, ten carries for sixty four yards, but um, they just couldn't get much going. Um, he only had three targets, one catch. So, yeah, that's just. One of those things we're going to check in all the time just to see if that league winning upside is there for taylor and i think he's going to need this offensive line and this quarterback to be a lot better to get him there so still looks talented but he's going to have weeks like this for sure um this one is pretty wild um so i don't know i'm starting to get worried about the titans even though they won this game um with aj brown leaving for injury um, julio jones was the second uh, most used receiver on this team he had 35 snaps um, Nick Westbrook, Ekine led the Titans wide receivers with 53 snaps. I know a lot of these depth charts and I've honestly never heard of him before. Um, <laughs> and I just noticed during this game, like there are a lot of subpar players that are getting work here with AJ Brown out. Um, Julio's obviously still being worked up to full speed. I, I think this Titans offense is going to have some major problems if AJ Brown is out for an extended period of time, or if Julio goes out for an extended period of time, or, you know. God, if anything ever happened to Derek Henry, like, I don't even know what we would do, but um, oh, yeah. Henry's going to be great. Julio's going to be great. AJ Brown's going to be great, but the rest of this team is, there's not much depth here. So I think it's just worth pointing out going forward that I would not be surprised to see this Titans offense struggle uh, here in the near future.
1: Yeah. They're a team that like, they kind of feel like the Ravens to me and that they're, they're sort of a dead end kind of offense because they're very one trick pony. And as soon as one team figures out that one trick, they're in big trouble because like okay, if you put all your resources into stopping Henry or you you manage to slow down Lamar Jackson like there there's just no other option they have. It's all based on that one thing and it, it gets them really far. they get to the playoffs. they're always they're a good team, but yeah, they just feel limited. and as you said if if anything happens to Henry, <laughs> this team is gonna be so ugly without him. yeah.
0: I mean Westbrookie kind had four targets, four catches, 53 yards, and a touchdown. So hey, that's great. Um, but let's look at some of these other names on the target list, other than Julio and Derrick Henry. Um, well, Furkser was hurt as well. Their tight end. Uh, so they targeted Jeff Swaim, Cameron Batson, Jeremy McNichols, Michael Pruitt, Chester Rogers, Tommy Hudson, and Racy McMath. So that's a pretty brutal list of players there. Uh, so yeah, we need AJ Brown back soon. Um, And I don't know, I will, I will be curious to see what they say about Julio Jones, because he played more snaps than that last week. And he took a little step back this week. So I wonder if this is going to be a kind of, uh, you know, one good week, one bad week sort of thing with Julio. So we'll see about that. But I mean, they, you know, Tennessee won the game at 25-16, big win against the Colts um, really puts them out of this division race early on. I mean, there's still a lot of time, but um, it was a big win for the Titans, but I would expect an awful lot of Derrick Henry as always, and not a whole lot else here. So... Um, all right, let's go to, uh, the bills. Um, we actually got two points here on the bills. So it's just, I w- there's not much else to say other than Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley both saw a ton of snaps and they both saw a ton of targets. So I think anyone that's been stashing them waiting for the bigger game, uh, paid off here as Josh Allen kind of snapped out of his early season funk. And, um, I, I think Sanders and Beasley should be rostered in every league. Um, do you see anything here in this bill's offense or other than just Kind of get all these receivers on your roster.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, It'd be nice if they could kind of condense even more to one guy. I know that Beasley and Sanders were both close to 100 yards today, but you you like you feel like okay, Diggs is going to bounce back. He had a lot of targets, and you know he's not going to be stuck at like 62 yards each week. Yeah. Um, So as I said with other guys, I wouldn't expect Beasley or Sanders to continue week after week after week, but they're a good fill in, and they're always going to be capable of these bigger days because. Again, they're both capable of pulling in these targets. They're both very capable receivers. Um, and they have a great quarterback. Josh Allen's just, you know, hes he's been a monster. So,
0: Yep. Josh Allen, 32 of 43, 358 yards, four touchdowns, wasn't sacked, ran for a touchdown. Um, Beasley led the way, 13 targets, 11 catches, 98 yards. That's what you're going to expect out of Beasley. Sanders only saw six targets, but caught five for 94 and two touchdowns. He looked good. Um, Diggs still had 10 targets six for 62 we'll see better weeks but I think one thing that's encouraging about Beasley and Sanders is there's not a ton there outside of them they're not going to throw a lot to the tight ends like Dawson Knox had four catches 49 yards and a touchdown that's like a huge week for him and the running backs aren't super involved even though Moss had a touchdown receiving but um, outside of like Gabriel Davis making a push and he only had one target this week it's it might be pretty focused on these three receivers. So I would definitely add Sanders or Beasley if they're available. Um, they're going to be a lot of good weeks. Um, and then also for this Bills backfield, uh, Zach Moss, 45 snaps, Devin Singletary, 33. I think Moss must have just been getting eased in week one when there was that surprise inactive. He had an injury in camp. So um, he seems to already have overtaken Singletary as the lead back, which we kind of all thought, you know, during the off season. So uh, Moss gets a receiving touchdown, had more receiving work than Singletary, was better on the ground. So uh, I would expect Moss to be the lead back here. Um, I think with the way running back is, he's probably a pretty fairly consistent like back-end RB2. I don't know there's a ton of upside, but you can start him most weeks. Um, any thoughts on this Bill's backfield here?
1: Yeah, it always shocks me how bad this backfield is. Um, you think with a big-time throwing quarterback like Josh Allen and his ability to run, that some, somebody would just kind of feast here. Like, I always thought Singletary was going to be great. And once they brought in Moss, I was like, well, someone's going to be great. And it just seems like it never really materializes. But I agree. Moss is definitely the guy. He's going to be the hammer in close. And, yeah, it's. I mean, you'll have to fight with Allen stealing some of the touchdowns like today. Yeah. But I, I think you're right. Moss is definitely the guy here to own.
0: Yeah, that's the big problem is Allen's going to take him in from close. Um, He's not going to check down a ton. You know, he's going to be bombs away. So it's a little bit like the Lamar Jackson situation for sure. But I do think Moss is interesting. They seem to like to give him the ball. and He catches some uh, touchdown passes. And Singletary, he's just cursed. He he doesn't score touchdowns, and it just really kills his value. So unless he somehow learns how to get in the end zone, he's not going to be very startable. Um, All right, well, yeah, I think that's a lot of the big takeaways as far as snap counts, injuries. Um, Again, check out what we saw to cover all the games in more detail. I'm sure there's some stuff we missed. But uh, we're going to jump into the games that we really focused on this week. Um, And we're going to start with Chicago um, traveling to Cleveland. It was a rough game. Uh, Cleveland wins 26-6. to Um, I did not get to see a lot of this one, so I actually have a lot of questions for you, Mike. Um, Right off the bat, Justin Fields, you see 6 of 20, 68 yards, and 9 sacks. Uh, Was it as bad as that looks – was it the line? Was it Fields? Was it everyone? Like, let's start off with that stat there because that's what everyone's going to be talking about.
1: Yeah, I feel the need to just say this before somebody else says it to me. Uh, Justin Fields and Mitch Trubisky had the same amount of net passing yards today, which <laughs> oh, no. was one. Um, yeah, so that 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 sums up how I'm feeling as a Bears fan right now. Uh, um, Trubisky yeah. had a, pa- a pass attempt today? I missed it. He had one pass attempt for one yard, and Justin Fields had 68 passing yards, but he lost 67 yards to sacks. Oh, man. Um, So this game started off real slow. After the first quarter, it was 3-0 Chicago, Uh, you know, just a classic Chicago game. We hope to keep the score under 10, and we have a good chance to win it. Um, And the Bears' offensive line was brutal, brutal. First three sacks, basically somebody just blew through the line, ran it fields immediately, and it was like, all right, I either just fall down or I just try to outrun this guy. Um, And then it just continued. Miles Garrett, I think, had four and a half sacks, which was, I think, a Browns record. Uh, This was the most sacks a team had since like 2017 or 2015 or something, they said. Um, And despite the Chicago lead, Cleveland just owned time of possession. It felt like they probably should have scored 40, but every time they got close, they just kind of sabotaged themselves. They always did something to blow it. Uh, Baker Mayfield got sacked on two fourth downs to start to start their two first drives, um, and both times they were in scoring possession position. They just didn't quite get it in. Um, honestly, I, I give Fields a free pass for this one because the line was so bad and he just had so little time. It kind of reminds me of a Bengals game we talked about last year where Burrow just kept getting hit so fast. Your yeah. thought was like, okay, just get him out of there before he breaks. And I, I, my hope is Fields doesn't find the same fate that Burrow had last year of like, yeah. you know, eventually all that pressure just gets to him. Um, because of that, the offense just never really got going. Montgomery had a couple good runs early. And I think if you had Montgomery, you are probably thinking, all right, this can be a good day. And then it just dried up and everything just fell flat from there. Um and when your quarterback has 68 passing yards, you can imagine how things looked for Robinson and Mooney and Komet. It was just, just nothing.
0: Okay. So let's stick with the bears offense. I do want to get to some things with the Browns offense and the bears defense actually, but um, as far as the bears offense, so it sounds like they're going to stick with them. Uh, we were talking before uh, you think he's going to get the start next week. They're not going to go running back to Dalton. But, um, from what I saw, I saw Fields getting sacked quite a bit on just like traditional dropbacks. I didn't see a whole lot of like tailoring the offense to Fields. Like, did they make this a Justin Fields offense? Or was this just like, hey, let's plug in the Andy Dalton offense and have Justin Fields running it?
1: Yeah, that that's, that's a good point. That's another problem. I think they were just running the Dalton offense. It didn't look like the offense, you know, you see Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson running. Yeah. It looked a lot like what you saw Andy Dalton doing. And Uh, who knows maybe because things went so poorly so fast they just didn't feel like they had an option um and I'm curious next week uh, against the Detroit team that's definitely not as ferocious on the defensive line if things look a little different in that regard
0: yeah because I mean also he only had three carries for 12 yards um that was kind of like why we wanted to start him for fantasy was we figured he had a nice floor for rushing I'm assuming that that was just Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney and everyone just tearing off the end and preventing him from running but did you see much of an effort to get him kind of out there with the ball in his hands like an open field or is he just kind of be a drop back passer that scrambles for yards
1: yeah it felt like they were trying to get him out moving and as you said there was just a always a cleveland pass rusher there ready to meet him um and he just didn't have the chance to get where he wanted to go because it, it did feel like he was running a lot okay. and i would have to imagine like three or four of those sacks he was trying to run and there was already somebody back there waiting to meet him And it just, you know, it just didn't work out.
0: Okay. Well, I think this is probably one of those games you can throw away to some extent for this offense. I can't imagine it's going to be this bad every week. And maybe the big takeaway is just that the Browns have a pretty ferocious pass rush when they get things going here. So, um, okay, let's go over to Browns. So I think we all kind of know what the Browns are. Um, We'll get to them a little bit more. But like, what are your thoughts on this Bears defense? Because... It seems like they did a pretty good job limiting the run here, other than Kareem Hunt busting a couple. Like, they did a good job on Chubb. Um, I think they can maybe struggle against the pass sometimes, but it does seem like they're pretty stout against the run for the most part.
1: Yeah, I, I would grade the Bears as a good run defense, maybe even a very good run defense. When Chubb was running early, he did not have a lot of room to run. And I I, I, I always watched the game with my dad, and we were talking about it, and I was like, all right, if we stop Chubb, if we're slowing him down, it's going to be a good day for us. And after the first quarter, we were like, "All right, this could be a good day." You know, the pass passing uh, pass line looks bad, but it could oh, it could work out. Mm-hmm. And the Bears just got killed in time of possession. They were down. They had they had the ball for only ten minutes in the first half, and then only twenty minutes in the whole game. And you kind of see in the box score that towards the end of the game, Cleveland ran off thirteen points in the fourth quarter. And as I said, they had some opportunities in the first to score some more. Um, I I think you're right, though. I would grade the the run defense here as good or very good. I would grade the pass defense as not as good and prone to giving up some big days to the right teams.
0: Okay, then um, Odell Beckham returns uh, sees 52 snaps. So I, I think they were just being cautious with them the first couple weeks. Uh, they want to make sure he was ready to go because he saw as many snaps as anyone. Um he had nine targets that led the way. I, I think this was, was a really encouraging day for Beckham actually. Five catches, 77 yards on nine targets. Um it wasn't like he was just some decoy or just some deep threat. From what I saw, he was catching passes over the middle of the field. So uh do you think we can trust Beckham now going forward?
1: Yeah, I liked the uh I liked the Beckham day a lot. Uh, he was getting peppered with targets early. It was clearly in the game plan while they were in the scripted plays to get him a lot of looks. And one of one of his targets, he didn't, uh, pull in was a deep look. He had it right on the sideline made a, like not quite the Odell catch. We all remember of, of fame that, you know, really thrust him into the spotlight, but it was a good catch. And I was like, Whoa, like that's, that's Odell Beckham. That's the guy I remember. Um, and with Landry out, you know, the guy who usually steals all the targets, Yep. I feel good about Beckham right now. I'd I'd be very happy to start him, and I could even say like he might be an interesting trade candidate because he only put up seventy seven yards. He didn't get the touchdown, mm-hmm. so it's kind of it's going to be kind of sneaky low points, but I I could see him blowing up. Yeah,
0: it looks like they kind of alternate good and bad matchups coming up. They play Vikings, then Chargers, then Cardinals, then Broncos. Um, it's tough matchups in there, but a couple of good ones too. So, um, yeah, I guess it looks like uh, maybe they leaned on cream hunt a little more with Landry out and in the intermediate game. I believe he had seven targets, but not much else here in the passing game. So any other takeaways from this Browns offense or just pretty much what we think they are?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, your point is a good one. Anyone looking at the box score is going to see hunt and be like, Whoa, like he was the dude and he yeah. did look better today, but I think he owes something to Chubb for kind of tiring out the defense a bit. Okay. And once the defense got tired, hunt came in and it was just ripping off big plays left and right. Um, but Chubb was getting everything early. Chubb had the first crack; he had the first chance to impress, and it's still his backfield. So I would still prefer Chubb, but Hunt is always going to have these kind of days pop up here and there.
0: All right, and so yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, what's your panic? What's the panic meter on Justin Fields, and just <laughs> going forward, one to ten, ten full panic, one no panic? Uh, what do you think about Fields? And maybe it's just more tied to this coaching staff. But where are you at right now as a Bears fan?
1: Oh man, I. I hate to be overreactive. I, f- I feel like I'm probably, I want to say four, but I could be as high as a six <laughs> right. of like, yeah, he didn't have a chance, but he also made some bad moves and yeah, we'll, we'll say it. We'll call it a four.
0: Okay. All right. And uh, any, any final thoughts or is that that wrap this one up for you?
1: If you own the Bears players, I would just say there are going to be brighter days ahead. I would start fields again next week. Cause I don't think this is going to repeat against the lions. And if you have, you know, Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney, I think brighter days are definitely ahead.
0: Okay. Yeah. That'll be a very interesting test against the Lions. So Lions are kind of, uh, they're feisty. They'll put up a fight, but, um, I would think that you could put up some points against them as well. So, all right, well, let's get on to uh, a game that I watched quite closely. Um, shockingly, the Bengals beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 24 to 10 in Pittsburgh. Um, I was telling Mike before the show, uh, watching with my brother and a friend or two and, uh, Basically, when they went up 24-7, my friend turned to us and was like, well, it's a good thing. that they, I like that they put up this fight against the Steelers. I know the Steelers are coming back to win it, but it was, it was good that they made the Steelers work for this one. So that's first first thing we go to as a Bengals fan is we're going to find some horrible way to blow it. But they did not. They held off the Steelers 124-10. They go to 2-1, and one, um, a big win for the Bengals. Um and it was, it was pretty shocking. I mean, I think my biggest takeaway to start out is Ben Roethlisberger did not look good. Um, He gets to 318 yards passing, but that was on 58 passing attempts. He went 38 of 58. Um, one touchdown, two picks, four sacks. Like, he's still trying to do that Roethlisberger stuff of old where he's breaking tackles and fighting to keep the play alive. But he just... He doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't have the, you know, he never had the speed, but he doesn't have like the agility anymore. Um, I just, I thought Roethlisberger looked pretty bad here. Um, and he kind of padded the stats late as well. So um, I am worried about this dealer's offense. Other than Najee Harris, which I mentioned up top, he's going to get all the volume he can handle. Um, but Deontay Johnson, I think that's a big loss to this offense. And then when Juju Smith-Schuster went out, that was another big loss. Um, Chase Claypool played well, 15 targets, nine catches, 96 yards. Um, He was kind of in and out with some injuries. Um, Claypool, if he was with a better downfield passer at this stage of his career, um, I'd be a lot more excited about Claypool. Um, He's got some talent. I just don't know if it's going to come together with Roethlisberger, but um, I I thought it was worth looking at the receivers with these injuries. Um, Deontay Johnson didn't play. Juju came out early. James Washington played 66 snaps. Um, He seems to be the backup more so to Johnson than Juju. Um, He only saw five targets, but he's out there a lot. And Roethlisberger missed him on a deep ball that he had three steps on the Bengals defender and it would have made this a ball game pretty late. They would have pulled within a score. So um, James Washington was out there a lot. Um, Ray Ray McLeod played as like the slot backup when Juju left and 47 snaps, four targets. I think he would be worth an eye on keeping an eye on if Juju missed some time, just because I don't think Roethlisberger can get the ball downfield at all. So uh, that that's my big takeaway here is that anyone who's a close to the line of scrimmage target Roethlisberger is going to have to lean on and I just don't think there's a lot of excitement here in this passing game outside of the volume so um do you see anyone like does, does this game change your mind at all as far as these Steelers pass catchers or is this kind of just confirm what you thought going in
1: yeah I, I know the Steelers I know Mike Tomlin was worried they weren't going to be able to replace all of Deontay Johnson's uh drops fight <laughs> with other receivers. No, I, I have a lot of Johnson. I had to throw that one in. Um, my my question on this one, and I'm curious on this because I haven't seen a lot of him yet. What do you think of Najee Harris as a runner? Because I know in his three games so far, he hasn't hit 50 yards rushing yet. And I'm curious if that's game script or the line that we worried about before the season or what you think about that. How did he look as a runner?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, he rips off half of his yards on one run on a 20 yarder. Um, I think it's more an issue of the offensive line, honestly, and just not being able to stick to the run. Uh, I think he's fine. I don't know that he's, you know, Saquon or he's, uh, you know, even Christian McCaffrey on the ground at times, but he's definitely an above average runner. And so I wouldn't worry about that so much as his, as far as his profile goes, I wouldn't worry about it. It's more just this offense. They can't get a lot of push up front Um, and they just, they fall back on this short passing game. They just don't seem like they want to commit to a running game. So um, I, I thought he looked pretty agile in the passing game. He's got moves. He broke a lot of tackles. Like he's he's a talented player. So um, I, I just I think if you had him on a different team with a different line, he'd be he'd be a really good runner. So I'm not that worried about him. Other than I don't see the Steelers' offensive line improving overnight or anything.
1: Got it. And then the other question I wanted to ask uh, for Chase Claypool: If Deontay Johnson and Juju are both still out, are you higher on Claypool because he's going to be the only the only show in town? or are you lower on him because he's going to get all the attention and he won't be able to kind of break free as much?
0: I think I'm higher because the main thing with him is just usage. I mean, when you have Harris and the two other receivers, they're just going to be a lot of days where he only gets six or seven targets. And that's the big concern with Claypool. But he's, like I said, he saw 15 today, nine catches um, he, I don't think he's just a downfield receiver, so they can use him in different ways. So, yeah, I think even just one of these receivers being out is a pretty big boost to Claypool. It's just when you've got all three, it's a bit of a problem. So any week that Deontay or Gigi is out, I'm I'm going to be pretty happy to start him. Um, again, I don't know if the upside's there. It would be with a different quarterback, but um, I, he's going to make some plays and score some touchdowns.
1: Yeah, the numbers definitely look really good. If you're a Harris or Claypool guy, yeah. like – 19-15 targets and now there's no more weapons to battle with like ooh, that that could be a, a fun couple of weeks here
0: yeah and like I said with Washington there were some missed yards there I mean you probably could have added 60 yards and a touchdown onto his pretty easily he had his guy burnt and Roethlisberger overthrew him so um, you know if he's thrown 58 times every week there's going to be value here in the receiving course so even though he looks terrible uh, I, I wouldn't run away too quickly but um, he was getting banged up he was he was taking hits. Uh, I, I, they're going to have to change something going forward, or he's not going to make it through the season, I don't think. So, um, Bengals side of the ball. So, I mean, this is kind of a continuation of what it's been all year. Kind of what I was warning people of coming into the year is if they don't have to let or make Burrow drop back 50 times, they're not going to. He's still working his way back from a devastating injury. Um, so, he goes 14 of 18 today, 172 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Um, his pick was just kind of forcing the ball in there. It wasn't necessarily even like, a bad read. It was just trying to do too much. Um, he still looks really good. They're just taking it easy on him. Uh, mix in 18 carries for 90 yards. They had a lead. They're just trying not to get him hurt again. So it's it's good to see from a team perspective. And I think as long as they keep winning, I mean they're two and one, uh, they're going to stick with this formula. Uh, but it's not great for fantasy. Um, I do think you know they're going to open them up more against defenses that aren't the Steelers. But uh, 18 attempts, it's it's awfully hard to start someone in fantasy if they get 18 attempts. So. Yeah. Um, I, like, but other than that, I mean, Jamar Chase catches four or five passes, 65 yards, and two touchdowns. His touchdown catch was beautiful, it was a really nice deep ball from Burrow, and it was a really nice catch from Chase. Um, Tyler Boyd, um, six targets, actually led the team, four receptions, 36 yards. His touchdown was some really poor tackling from the Steelers, but he broke the tackle and had a nice r- run after the catch. So there was really nothing there in the passing game other than those two. Um, and I, I think if they're kind of like the Steelers too. If one of these receivers is ever hurt, you're absolutely starting the other two. Um, but until this volume goes up, it's it's going to be a little hard to support all three. So, um, any questions for you? I mean, you saw this Bengals offense a lot last week. Um, any questions after this week on this offense?
1: Yeah, I guess it it just not so much a question. It feels like if you had Chase or Boyd, you kind of got lucky in that like there wasn't a lot of work to go around but Joe Burrow nicely condensed it into his top two guys. And because of those touchdowns, like they both had a good day. Um, If you just had those yardage and target and reception numbers, you'd have been a little worried, but the touchdowns really kind of smooth things out here.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to some extent it's not lucky because they don't have any tight ends to throw to. Um, They don't throw to the running backs a ton. I mean, that was one thing Mixon only had one target, so it's always going to go to these receivers, but yeah, they were very lucky on 18 passing attempts to come out with this game. Um, And even Chase and Jamar Chase in general, I mean, it's been a great start to his career, but uh, five targets this week, four targets last week, seven targets the week before, um, but he's got four touchdowns. So nobody's complaining, but he is kind of, you know, it's a fine line here. If you don't score touchdowns, you can have some down weeks. So um, they're going to ramp this up as the season goes. I don't think this is the new Bengals offense, but it is going to be a process. Um, They play the Jaguars on Thursday night football. Um, then they play the Packers, the lions, like that's going to open up a little bit more for him. So, um, but I, I would still expect games, Ravens, Steelers, games like that. They're going to try to protect Burrow. So, um, but no overall good things. He wasn't sacked. Um, he's still, I think he's a really good quarterback. He's really smart, knows how to run an offense. We just need to get back to that 2020 passing volume for fantasy purposes anyway. But yeah, that, that wraps most of that up. I mean, it's all mixing on the ground. So, um, I still think when they're trailing, he's going to have some down weeks. But uh, you can't, you know, you can't feel bad about having a running back who's just dominating the backfield right now. So mix you'll be starting him every week. Um, so yeah, let's get to a game that we probably all watched quite a bit. Um, this was a big one: uh, Tampa Bay versus the Los Angeles Rams. Um, the Rams came out with a win in this one, in pretty, pretty clear fashion. They won thirty-four to twenty-four, and that was with a late touchdown. So I know you watched a lot of this one. Um, what were some of your your big takeaways from this game
1: yeah so i I thought like i felt like tampa bay kind of backdoored the score close the rams really owned this one um they were getting after brady they only got three sacks but you could tell there were a lot of plays where they were they were rushing him and brady wasn't that comfortable um and he he put up good numbers 432 yards a touchdown but that was on 55 attempts and you don't want your 40-plus-year-old quarterback throwing 55 times in a game. That's that's a recipe for a bad year because he's not going to hold up. I mean, even if he has eaten the avocado ice cream, <laughs> it's still going to be tough to make it through the season. Um, Mike Evans looked good. Chris Godwin played well. They were both getting a lot of targets. Um, Gronk had an injury at some point in the game. I forget exactly when it happened, but he went out for a bit. At first, it looked kind of scary. He stayed down on the field. He had the trainers around him, but then, you know, as it happens some of these times he was back later in the game. I have to wonder if they're going to pull back on him a little bit because they know they want him for the postseason. So if I have Gronk and I can still sell high, this kind of feels like a great time to maybe sell on him and get out before they kind of cut the workload. Um, I could see them, you know, trying to replace some of his work with Cameron Braid or OJ Howard and, you as we said, we, they know they're a good team. They know they have an all-time quarterback. They know they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. The big thing is get to the postseason healthy. And Gronk almost getting hurt. I feel like that could be the kiss of death for his workload of like, all right, let's 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 take it easy, Gronk.
0: Yeah, when I was watching the game, I mean, I, I commented on that exact same thing. I was like, I was surprised Gronk has been so heavily used because they know they're a good team and they're going to be there in the playoffs. And you think you want to keep Gronk healthy. Uh, it's understandable with Brady because Brady is a, a psychopath and he's gonna force his way to throw 55 time a game, times a game if that's what he wants. But um, I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised as well if they take it a little easy on Gronk here. But hey, he still had seven targets, four catches, 55 yards. He just didn't get the touchdown this week, but um, still a good player. Uh, and he's still he's still a starting tight end for fantasy purposes for sure. So oh yeah, um, yeah. Um, I did think it was interesting with Antonio Brown out just to see how they you know shook out the snaps here Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller pretty much split the snaps right down the middle six targets for Johnson three for Miller so if that's how they're going to do it there's not a lot of value when one of these receivers misses time I don't think if they're going to split up the work Um, and I think it's worth noting Giovanni Bernard led the way in snaps Um, he also had 10 targets but a lot of that was garbage time. And I, I just don't think that's going to happen very often with the Bucks. So um, a lot of people are going to see this run to get Gio Bernard, although he got banged up at the very end of the game. I'm not sure what his status is, but I think this was a bit fluky for Gio Bernard. He's got this potential in him for like best ball leagues, but I, I don't know how many games they're going to have a game script like this and you're going to know it's coming.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the hit at the end did look kind of serious. I, I didn't follow through to see, you know, how bad it was. But he got like as he was diving for the end zone, and he scored that late Buccaneers touchdown. He got flipped end over end, landed on his back, and yeah, it didn't look great. And yeah, um, it, it's just brutal here that it's a three man split on the workload. Like basically, Brady carried the running back usage with him from New England, and now it's just a mess here.
0: He also had the most rushing yards, uh, 14. (laughs) That's where I thought you were going with it. Uh, Three carries, 14 yards, a touchdown. Ronald Jones, five for 11. Fournette, four for eight. Um, Yeah, that's bad. I mean, Fournette will at least give you three or four catches most games. I I would trust him. um, But I don't know how you can play Ronald Jones. You just never know when he's going to get benched, and he's just not producing. So um, I would be benching him. So, okay we got to talk about Deshaun Jackson. Uh, I feel like this is going to be one of the the fights this week in fantasy football circles. So Deshaun Jackson gets five targets, three catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. And, I mean, I think on both of those incomplete passes, those could have been long touchdowns. Stafford underthrew him by a lot on both of those targets. Like, he could have had an insane day. Um, But still, just five targets. Um, His snap share was not great. It was just 21 snaps. Uh, Robert Woods had 57, Cooper Cup 53, and even Van Jefferson had 50. So he was in a limited role, but he went nuts this game. Um, is this real? Or are they going to ramp him up? Or is this just like Deshaun Jackson's going to be hurt in two weeks and let's not worry about this?
1: So I, I have an interesting way to solve this. All right. <laughs> think, think of a number of an interest level in your head from 1 to 10, where 10 is you're going to go put all your free agency money on him right now. And one is you're not going to spend a dollar. Think of your level of interest.
0: Yeah. I, right. I think I'm around I think I'm around a four.
1: Okay, I'm a two. <laughs> okay. Because it, we, we know that DeJon Jackson story, he's gonna do this for like one, maybe two, maybe even three games, and then he will disappear for like six weeks and just gonna be left holding the bag. And this is great while it happens, and everyone's gonna get really excited, and then it's just gonna be gone and it'll be forgotten again.
0: Yeah, I I I side with you. The the thing that's intriguing for me is just that, you know, it's Sean McVay, it's Matthew Stafford. This offense looks really good. I mean, they just put up 34 on the Bucks. Like if they want Deshaun Jackson to be a part of this offense, he's going to be good. But I tend to agree with you. He's burned us too many times. Not enough usage yet. We'll see if that increases, but I mean, ultimately, I believe he's 34 years old. Um he's had a lot of injuries. I I don't expect this to keep going, so I agree with you, but um, he looked really good today. He looked fast. He looked like the Deshaun Jackson of old. So definitely, you know, hey, if you got a roster spot to burn, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind picking him up and putting him on there, but I wouldn't go use all your fab on him. I, sounds like that's about where you're at too.
1: Yeah, for those interested, his last 1,000-yard season was 2016. Oof. His last 60-catch season was 2013. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's not one for the uh, longevity or the regularity of results.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, Mike Evans has a nice game here. Chris Godwin. I mean, he, you know, neither of them getting the end zone, but I don't think there's any worries there. And really this Bucks offense, I think we've got a good idea of that. Um, as far as the Rams, what did you see from their offense outside of Deshaun Jackson here?
1: So Cooper Cup is, you know, still on his tear. He's yeah. been killing it. Um, What's interesting is I feel like it wasn't too long ago. Maybe this was two or three seasons ago where he did the same thing. He started off with a streak of like five or six games where he was just on fire. And then he kind of fell off the face of the earth. Um, And right now he's killing it. Like if you drafted him, you've just got to be absolutely thrilled because he's got what five touchdowns so far. Right. And he's averaging 120, 130 yards a game. And Robert Woods has just been nowhere to be found. Um, But I feel like, I feel like Sean McVay is, you know, one of those smart coaches who realizes this, and he's not, he's not going to force Cooper Cup to get the ball if teams start leaning on him. And I feel like at some point teams will start leaning on Cup and say, all right, we're taking him away, and we'll see the brighter days for Woods once that happens.
0: Yeah, I generally agree with you. Um, Ten-plus targets for Cooper Cup in all three games, five touchdowns. You were right on that. Um, I will say the difference this year from the year that he fell off was – I believe that was the year they started going to a lot of two tight end sets because Jared Goff was struggling. Um, I don't expect that to happen. So when they're going three wide cups, really good. And I, I think he's good. He's, he's pretty legitimate. He's not going to score this many touchdowns, but um, I do agree with you. Teams are going to start focusing on cup. I mean, they probably already are, but at some point they're going to throw everything they have at him, and that should help free up Robert Woods. So he seems like an awfully good by low candidate for me. Um, he's still getting, you know, fairly good i mean you know six targets nine targets four targets he's not being ignored here i would expect bigger days are coming so he seems like someone to go out and try to uh you know get a a nice trade offer for because i i don't i don't expect that we're we're just robert woods is going to disappear while this offense is blowing up
1: yeah i completely agree uh you you, this is a team we think of as a really good offense and a team we think of as just a really good team a team that's going to be winning games and you can currently get their number two receiver who's a very proven receiver for probably pennies on the dollar because you are three games in and three games in, it looks bad and everyone's going to be panicking because we're all slaves to the moment. It's, you know, it's hard to ignore three bad weeks to start the season. Everyone's gut reaction is this guy's horrible. Throw him away, move on. He can't use him. And next week, Woods will have like eight catches to a couple touchdowns and we'll be like, Oh, what's wrong with cup. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Um, I do think Van Jefferson's interesting. He played a ton of snaps, six targets, four catches, 42 yards. I, depending on how deep the league is, I think he deserves a spot on rosters. Uh, really, anyone in this offense, I'm interested in. Tyler Higby looked good, five for 40 and a touchdown. They ran a couple screens to him. They got him the ball in the red zone. Uh, I think he's an every week starter. And then Sony Michelle, I wouldn't let this worry you too much because it was against a rough Tampa Bay front seven. Um, he had 20 carries for 67 yards, not real exciting. Um, hey, he did have four targets, three catches. So that's that's nice. But um, I would be right on board starting Sonny Michelle if Henderson's out again uh, if, against a better matchup. Um, they get the Cardinals next week. That's a lot better. And even when Henderson's back, I think Michelle is going to be involved. So I, I didn't think he looked great or anything, but this was a brutal matchup for him. Did you see much out of Sony Michelle here?
1: Yeah, I think this is sneaky good upside for Michelle because uh, while while the yards per carry wasn't great, and we know yards per carry is not an amazing stat, but it's yeah. you know it's the one we tend to lean on. You know, four or five is good. Uh, he really condensed the workload. He he took all the carries. I mean, yeah. sure, Funk got one, Woods got one, but it was it was Michelle all the way. And as we said, if this is a good offense, if this is an offense we like, I like a running back getting a lot of carries in a good offense. I don't care if that running back's really that good. Yep. You could put Ronald Jones in this spot, Leonard Fournette in this spot, whoever you want. And if they're getting 20 carries in this offense, I that's a guy I'm going to be starting.
0: Yep. And it only took, you know, third week of the season for Daryl Henderson to miss a week. So I, <laughs> I would expect this to happen again at some point. And anytime that happens, Michelle's going to be like a borderline RB1, at least high-end RB2, depending on the matchup. So, um, yeah, if someone is freaking out about even Michelle, uh, go out and get him. So I, I think everyone in this offense is – Pretty much a buy here, and I wouldn't even mind buying high on Cooper Cup. I, I think he's going to be good too. So, um, really encouraging things out of this offense. So, anything else uh, before we move on from this one?
1: No, I think that covers it on this one.
0: Okay, so yeah, we just got a couple quick hitters here. Um, I want, I did feel like it was worth talking about Seattle at Minnesota. Uh, pretty disappointing loss here for Seattle. I thought with some new coaching injected into that offense, uh, I thought this was going to be a little better of a season. They lose 17-30 to 30 to the Vikings. Granted, it was in Minnesota, but um, I think most of us probably had the Seahawks win in this one. Um, I So Chris, uh, Chris Carson left the game momentarily in the third quarter with a hamstring injury. That was a big part of his reduced snaps in the second half. Um, for the game, Carson had 23. Homer had, Travis Homer had 16. Alex Collins had 14. I just wanted to mention that because I don't think there's anything to worry about Carson here as long as he's healthy. So don't see that stat line and freak out. Um, what did you think just far as far as big takeaways from this game? Uh, because I think there's a lot of fantasy relevant players here.
1: Yeah, on the Seattle side, super disappointing. They can't pull out the win. Um, Wilson still got almost 300 and a touchdown, so it, it worked out okay for him. He didn't crush you. Um, Metcalf really bounced back, and Lockett kind of disappeared, but we know this is how it happens lockett has his big weeks then he kind of disappears a little bit for a few weeks so this is nothing uh abnormal uh on the viking side alexander madison really killed it he got to run with the workload and he looked good and you know he put up some great numbers and i don't i wouldn't expect you know if if he's in again as the starter next week i wouldn't expect those passing numbers to look quite that excellent but i think the running is fair um yeah, Amir Abdullah got a little bit, but nothing that, nothing scary, nothing that's make you say Madison's not going to have the workload again moving forward.
0: Yeah, Madison was crushing it through the air to start out. I mean, he ends up eight targets, six catches, 59 yards. He was featured heavily early on. Um, yeah, the biggest red flags here for me were uh, the, the Seahawks offensive line. Um, Wilson was only sacked twice, but the Vikings were all over him. I don't know how much of it was their pass rush, how much of it was the, the Seahawks offensive line, but that was a concern there because they were just blowing up the line on way too many plays. And then Seattle's uh, run defense. I mean, it's a concern now uh, 34 carries for 140 yards for the Vikings. Um, all that passing game work to Madison and they got destroyed last week by uh, Derek Henry. I mean, he just had a monster game. They didn't get a whole lot, you know, against the Colts week one, but that's because they had the lead. So they were able to limit them. But, This looks like a Seahawks defense. You're going to want to start any running backs against them for now, as long as the team isn't going to get blown out of the water. Uh, Seattle has some concerns here, though. If if you have Metcalf or Lockett, I would not be worried. If you have Carson, I would not be worried. But just as far as this team as a whole, um, I was very disappointed in this performance. So um, keep an eye on that pass blocking because it, it was pretty bad today. And then... Let's see. I mean, I did want to talk a little more about Washington against Buffalo. We talked a bit about their pass catchers up at the top. So if you missed that, uh, go up to the, uh, the Snapshare takeaways. We, we talked about Sanders and Cole Beasley quite a bit. Um, but there's a lot of fancy relevant players in this one. Buffalo wins 43 to 21. Um, what did you think about Antonio Gibson's day? I think a lot of people, that's one of the first players they're going to look at here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, he's the kind of player I like him. But everybody got so kind of crazy fanatical about him that it's like, all right, I'm kind of losing interest because it feels like the blinders were on in the preseason. And I feel like this is the kind of day where people are going to see it and be like, oh, nice, 73 receiving yards, a touchdown. You know, the rushing is a little low, but that's okay. Bad game script. Um, And the reality is I always kind of do the the one play check. If I take away one play from your day, was your day still good? And if I take away one play from Gibson, his day is suddenly really bad. And suddenly everyone's probably pretty worried about like, Ooh, what's wrong with Gibson? Um, McKissick is still getting work and not that many carries just three, but you know, that's, that's enough that Gibson got 12 McKissick got three. That's, that's not a great split and Gibson only got two targets. Everybody expected, you know, the passing game to kind of funnel into him. And this is a game where they're behind. So you imagine a lot of shorter passes to the running backs and it just didn't materialize. Um, it's, it's nothing on Gibson as a talent, but I don't think we're going to see that breakout RB1 kind of season everybody was hoping for here.
0: Yeah, um, so Gibson gets 31 snaps. McKissick gets 25. Now, this was a game they were trailing against Buffalo. Buffalo's defense looks good. Um, this was a really good, you know, J.D. McKissick game script. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. But, yes, I do share your concerns um, I will say Gibson looked really good on that screenplay that went 73 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> he showed everything that you would want out of him, basically. And then um, on his other target, it was a designed play to him. It would have been a touchdown, and he dropped it. So on the one hand, it's bad because he dropped it. On the other hand, it was good they were giving him the ball in the red zone. Um, so it was a little bit of a mixed bag here from Gibson. Um, I agree with you. Um, yeah, we're going to need more than 13 touches though. That's for sure. So that, that's, that's going to be an issue. McKissick isn't going away. There is just still a ton of talent here for Gibson though. I mean, he's what six, two and ran a four, three something. So that, he's always going to have that big playability, but, um, right. yeah, I think the consistency might be lacking here. And then otherwise, you know, I don't know this Washington offense. I mean, Heineke really took a step back from what he looked like, uh, last week against the Giants, um uh, McLaurin you know he's still got his 62 yards on four catches um Logan Thomas gets a touchdown late so you know there's still a few players here but this offense is not going to break out like we thought um we already talked quite a bit about the Bills team so I don't think we need to go through them anymore other than just um yeah I don't know I don't know if Gibson's going to be that breakout star like we hoped but um he's still a good player so you still want him in your lineup so um, any other takeaways here from any of the other games, um, any you know individual player performances or team performances you want to touch on?
1: Yeah, just kind of a random thought I had on this one to finish up uh, okay. for me. Um, how interesting would it be if Washington ended up making a trade for Deshaun Watson? I don't know if they have the capital. Right, But if you had Watson throwing to McLaurin and Thomas and Gibson running in that backfield, all right, now I'm, now I'm interested. <laughs> right,
0: I think there's a lot of teams you could drop him onto and it'd be pretty <laughs> exciting. Uh, I don't even know what would happen if he got traded though. I don't know if they would just let him play or if they're just kind of like, it feels like they're just trying to avoid making a decision. I feel like if he got traded and, they were going to start them, the NFL would have to make some kind of move. So I don't know. um But yes, it would be nice to get a quarterback here in Washington for sure because <laughs> they have some talent. So I hate to see these teams kind of just with all this talent around them. I mean, eventually they're going to get Curtis Samuel back. Uh, a lot of people like deami Brown. Like there's talent here and it's just kind of going to waste. So we'll yeah. see. Buffalo does look good defensively though. So I'll, I'll give them that. Maybe, maybe they'll look a little better next week. So, all right. Well, yeah, I think that covers just about everything. Um, check out our what we saw article. Like I said, we'll have write-ups on every game. So uh, please see that to cover every game that we missed. But um, other than that, yeah, the Bengals are two and one, so I can't complain too much. Um, kind of hard to believe, Mike, that our loss was against you all last week where you took care of us pretty easily.
1: Well, it didn't hurt. It, uh, Burrow was nice enough to throw three picks on three consecutive plays. Yeah,
0: that was one of the rare, uh, you know, kind of where he looked overmatched. Uh, he's, he's pretty much looked like a quality NFL quarterback the rest of his career. So hopefully that was just a one week flip. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening to everyone. Um, hope y'all won your matchups this week and we'll see you next time.